Hello, my friends, and welcome back here to Warrior on Fire, episode number five. Wow. Has the past uh, seven days been an exciting one, a crazy one? I've been all over the place emotionally with it, up and down and all over the place. But you know what? Anytime that you start something new and you're willing to come into an area in which the conversation has been one directional and you bring a new conversation into that place, one that's not using the same words, one that's not using the same tonality, one that's not bringing about a conversation that appears to be even relevant to the conversation that's been had before, you're gonna receive friction. And the problem we have with most of our society today is that we are hell-bent on one thing, and that is simply our addiction to the criticism, addiction to darkness, addiction to chaos, addiction, to things that make you go, hmm, as one of my reviewers in iTunes stated it. Look around in the marketplace today. What does the news show you? We want to see catastrophe. What are we drawn to on television? Anger, darkness, violence, hatred, breaking down of things. And yet at the same time, at the same time, most people are preaching, this is what they don't want to hear, that they want something different. They want light. They want power. They want breakthrough. They want to feel connected. And yet in an ever-growing social media climate in which people are connecting through likes and through comments and ultimately faceless feedback on places like iTunes, we as a human nature, as human beings are attempting to find something. And I'm going to have you consider that finding that thing is never going to come about by listening to the thing that we think we want through the same lens and the same filter that we've always heard it. And so here on Warrior on Fire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift some things up a bit in the following way, and that is this. I'm not going to talk anymore about the feedback that's coming in from those who ultimately would never hear the message through me. They're not going to hear the message of Jesus. They're not going to hear the message of revolution. They're not going to hear the message of the warrior's way. They're going to be hell-bent just like the individual who sits around all day long playing games on the Xbox or sits around addicted to looking at the darkness in other people's lives, yet at the same time, Spends almost no time searching into their own lives. And the truth is, I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the patience to sit around and worry about the cynics and the critics and the Pharisees and the Sadducees of a modern day who have no ability whatsoever to hear what I'm saying. And you know what? It's okay. I get it. I get it. Because at the same time, no matter what they say, at the end of the day, I've found one thing to be true for me in business, and that is this. Your critics will never pay your bills. Hi, my name is Bailey White. My dad is Garrett J. White, the Master Coach Mentor. Mentor. <laughs> You're listening to Warrior on Fire. On Fire. Wake up, Warrior. Get ready. My dad is about to teach you men how to have it all. And the best part is, he is going to show you how to be an awesome dad and husband. My dad is awesome. Can I get my $100 now? <laughs> Your critics will never pay your bills. And even if you change, even if you change to meet what the critics say, even if you change to do what people around you are telling you, you quote, should do, even though the voice inside of you is telling you to do something different. And today, we're going to have a conversation about a man by the name of Saul. And we're going to look into how the conversation and the transformation of a man named Saul took him to awaken to a new calling in inside himself, Paul. And I am certain I am certain at that time that the chaos that we're going to uncover today that existed in every single front, there was only one fundamental voice that Saul, who became Paul, was required to listen to. 
And it wasn't the praise or the persecution on either side. It was a willingness to listen to the voice within him. And see, brothers, I'm going to have you consider, and the sisters who are following us deeply here on Warrior on Fire, that it takes no power whatsoever to throw out criticism. It takes power to create. It takes little to no power to destroy. It takes power to create. It takes little to no effort to sit in a congregation while listening to a preacher or pastor give a sermon or share a message. It takes power to be the one who is willing to stand up and take the persecution and deliver. See, we don't read about in Scripture about people who were on the sideline. We don't go to the Super Bowl and talk about the guy who was in the fifth row watching the game with two beers in his hands. We don't sit in the game and preach and praise and honor the people who stood on the sideline and cast stones. See, we don't even know their names. When referencing one of the shows I did here a few back, one of the, sem- uh, 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 the sessions we talked about, when the Pharisees and Sadducees brought the woman to Jesus, the crazy thing is these were nameless men. They were nameless men. We don't know the exact men who went through all the abuse of Jesus, beating, whipping, stoning, and ultimately nailing him to the cross. See, we don't, faceless critics don't get a name because in history, their names mean nothing. All we know is there was a resistance to what? A resistance to your stand. See, and in your life, my friend, you have a choice. You have a choice to focus on the majority. You have a fo- choice to focus on the minority. But the bigger choice is not whether you focus on the praise or the persecution. The bigger question is this for you. Are you willing? Are you willing to listen to the voice within? Are you willing to listen to the only thing that actually matters? Are you willing to listen to the customized revelation that comes into your life, that calls you to do something, that calls you to take a stand, that calls you to hear the voice of God in a way that makes sense to you. And see, this is what was going on for Saul in the book of Acts. Saul had been called on a, on a mission that was diabolically opposed to everything within him, everything he had been raised to believe, everything he had been raised to preach, everything he had been raised and commissioned to go about life. And on a simple walk on the road to Damascus, on Damascus to approach what he had been called to do at that time, which was to persecute the Christians and to incarcerate them, had been given authority to beat them and to throw them in jail. Along that road, he had a change of heart. Seeing how many times in our lives, you and I, we find ourselves going one direction. We're used to hearing a language one way. We're used to hearing it. This is how it is. This is how it is in my marriage. You know what? I've been, I've been married so long, and this is how it is for me and my wife. It's, it goes this way. And then someone introduces a concept, a conversation, and we say, hey, listen, what if your marriage wasn't that way? What if it could be a different way? Or, or maybe it's the way that you deal with your body and your food and your nutrition. You look down at that gut of yours, and you're like, you know, damn it, I've got this gut going on here. It pisses me off. I'm sick and tired of being overweight. And somebody intersuits a conversation into your life and says, hey, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. It could be a different way. Or maybe it comes down to the way that you raise and parent your children. And you've got a certain pattern that you're used to, addicted to, a certain way of doing things, a certain way of hearing things when it comes to your children. But eventually somebody inserts a conversation. You hear this podcast, you hear something, you read something, you experience something that, that triggers in you a change. And that change itself says, hey, you know what? Maybe, 
Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe it could be a different way. Or maybe it's in the way that you make money in your business. And you've been going along a certain way as an entrepreneur, building your businesses a certain way, marketing, a certain way, selling, a certain way, using technology, a certain way, interacting with your clients, a certain way, interacting with, your, with, your, with your, the marketplace a certain way. And yet in that place, you hear a podcast, you read an ebook, you have a conversation at lunch with somebody, and in that conversation for, for the first time, you hear something you didn't hear before, something you couldn't hear before, something you didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear, and in that voice, and in that message comes a shift, and that shift simply says, okay, it doesn't have to be this way. Consider that it could be another way. See, and this is where the power of choice comes down to you and me. Because the initial response is to reject everything that's new. My daughter, my daughter, we were at dinner last night in uh, Laguna Beach, California, where we live, and uh, a woman who has... uh, Obviously, obviously a mental handicap uh, comes in to the restaurant and she walks in with this, this, this packet full of pictures uh, that she had drawn and she had traced. They were Garfield, Garfield cartoons. I don't know if you're familiar with the Garfield cartoons, but here she came rolling in. Uh, my wife and I are sitting there. My daughters are sitting there with me. We're having dinner. Um, and this is this a little bit higher end restaurant. And so she comes walking in immediately the manager walks over and starts escorting her out. And she looks at me and she says, hey, would you like to look at my pictures? And I said, I would love to look at your pictures. And the manager looks at me with like this look like, are you sure? Are you sure you want her in here? Because we can kick her out. I was like, no, 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 let her come on over. It's great. So she comes on over and she sits down. And she starts to share with us what what she's created. And and this woman has a a mindset of uh, probably around a a seven or eight-year-old. But she's deep into her 40s, maybe early 50s. And she walks around in Laguna Beach and she hustles her way, her way to go about creating value in the marketplace, value for other people. And we're going through these pictures. I'm watching my eight-year-old. I'm watching my four-year-old. And I'm watching my wife all gaze upon. I'm watching everybody else in this restaurant watch what's going on. And I'm engaging and connecting with this woman. And we're having a conversation. And I'm saying, tell me about your art. And she starts telling me about art. And I said, how much are you selling your pictures for? And she said, I'm selling them for $5 each picture and I say great we would like to get four can we look through all of what you've created and can we make a decision on which one we'd like to make and she said absolutely and so we go through it my daughters are sitting there my daughters are getting excited why because I'm excited my daughters are learning and I'm excited because I'm watching my daughters experience something in a high-end area where we live and the environment that we're in in Orange County California it's very easy for these children to become disconnected from other part of life a life that I came from, a place that I came from with no money, no resources, nothing. I didn't come from that. I, I had to create that in my life because I chose it. And I sat there and I watched my daughter looking upon this woman. And this woman ends up signing our pictures. We give her, I give the $20 bill to my four-year-old. My four-year-old hands it, Ruby, to, to this woman and, and off she goes. And what ensued next was a conversation with my eight-year-old. And my eight-year-old said, that was weird. And I said, what? And she's like, well, daddy, she's weird. And I was like, well, what do you mean by weird, hon? And so our drive on the way from the restaurant back home, we get to have a conversation that extended into bedtime with her last night. And we're having this conversation about weird. And I said, well, what's the problem with weird, babe? She's like, I don't know, dad, it's just weird. And I said, listen, anytime, anytime that you see something new, anytime that you experience something new, it's going to appear weird. But see, our initial response as human beings is to assume it because something's new and it's, quote, weird or it's threatening to us. It scares us. 
Kind of like this podcast sitting up in the middle of a traditional conversation. You can go across the board and listen to every single show almost inside the iTunes religion and spirituality section and you're going to hear a conversation that sounds almost exactly the same. It's not bad. I love it. The T.D. Banks and Joyce Myers and Joel Osteens. I love it. I appreciate the fact that they have lived the ministries they're living and they're doing what they're doing, but I'm not called to do what they're doing. I'm not called to do that because see, when the voice hit my life, when the voice hit my life, the voice said, I need you to do this. And we're going to see here in the book of Saul that it was probably weird for him too. Just like it was weird for Joel Osteen to rise up and to do what he's done. Just like it's been weird for Joyce Meyer to do what she's done. Just like it's been weird for T.D. Banks to do what he's done. Just like it's been weird for you to do stuff that's new. To consider things that are new. To challenge yourself to open up the box in which you're operating. To experience a higher level of power and possibility in your life. The interesting thing is that Jesus said this. He said the kingdom of heaven is found where? The kingdom of heaven is found within. Interestingly enough, the knocking, the asking, and the searching that we're looking for is never going to be found through the judgment or the praise of stuff outside of us. See, the things that we see outside of us are giving us an opportunity to go within. And we're going to see here with Saul that this is exactly what happened. He was on one trajectory, and as Sir Isaac Newton declared it, that an object will stay in motion at the same speed and at the same intensity until acted upon by an outside force. And I'm going to have you consider that your life itself is not going to get better. It's not going to get better listening to the same stuff. Surrounding yourself with people who talk exactly like you. Surrounding yourself with people who you don't think are weird. Surrounding yourself with conversations that don't appear weird. Surrounding yourself in which you are not challenged. You now become the person who sits on the glider at the gym. Hits the glider every single day with your same book, your same water, hitting the same workout every single day. And then you wonder, why am I fat? You're fat because you don't challenge yourself. You're fat because what you're doing is not working. And yet you can sit around and you can persecute people for giving you a new way. Or, or you could consider, is the current path giving me what I'm wanting? Do I even have the courage, the courage to question this was so hard for me, so hard for me in 2009, so hard for me. It took the implosion of my entire financial life as a banker. You know, and I got critics on here who were like, oh, well, dude, he's talking about how he got sued. He's talking about how he lost millions. He's talking about how he lost all these things. I, dude, I get it. Are you kidding me? It'd be significantly easier to operate like the rest of the world. At least that's what I thought in the beginning, which is to hide and I'm sure Saul wanted to hide too. I'm sure Saul wanted to reject the voice. I'm sure Saul wanted to hide the fact that he was about to be called to go preach to the same people, to preach a message to the same people that what? That he had been persecuting. I mean, holy shit, are you kidding me? That's like saying, hey, dude, you know the guys that you've been beating up down the street? What I need you to do is I need you to turn around. I need you to go back there and I need you to give them a hug. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Dude, I've just spent my whole life making sure that I beat these guys up. And now all of a sudden I'm being asked to what? You're asking me to go back and talk to the same people that I felt on purpose to persecute. But see, I'm going to have you consider that we don't know the person next to us path. We don't know what they've been called to do or not called to do. I used to have this arrogant assumption that somehow I knew 
I mean, how many people looked at Saul on his path and were like, that guy's a destroyer? Even the key character in this, Ananias, questions it with God when God tells him to go meet with Saul and gives him a vision to go connect with Saul and to help him see as a mentor. He, even Ananias is like, are you, are you out of your mind? You've got to be crazy. This dude has been authorized to throw me in jail, to beat me up, and he has been beating up people around here over and over and over again. There's no way. There is no way I am going over there. See, we like to look at scripture as some like surface conversation. We got the cliff notes, my friends. We got the cliff notes. Remember, these were real people. They weren't superhumans. The only way that somebody becomes a superhuman is long after they're dead. And what we end up doing is the same funeral factor. We don't see people stand up at funerals and say, hey, you know what? So-and-so just died. He's a real asshole. Was his whole life. Didn't really like him. Actually kind of glad he's dead. We have this weird effect as human beings. When people die, we start to forget all of the error. We forget all of the stuff they didn't get right. We forget all of the things that they screwed up. We forget all of their path of Saul. And all we want to talk about is Paul. And we're like, Paul, 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 Paul. And I'm sure Paul, who was Saul, many times wanted to get rid of his past. But I maybe consider that his darkness and his past it was actually his light. Let's jump into it here in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. We're going to be diving all around in this. Again, I use the King James Version. If you don't like that one, cool, on you to get whatever version you do like. Uh, some of you get the New Living Scripture version. And some, again, there's like a bajillion versions. It's a bajillion versions. It's like Rick Warren of Purpose Driven Life. You know, you're, he referenced like 17 or 18 different versions of the Bible. He's like, I'm going to give you a bunch of versions just in case. Me, on the other hand, I like this one, right? I was, I was raised with this script. Some people are like, oh, it's not the right one or it's confusing. Well, you're going to have to follow along and hopefully my conversation with it's going to make sense. So here we go in Acts chapter 9 and it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of these this way, whether they were man or woman, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So Saul goes and gets permission. Goes and gets permission from the high priest, a.k.a. the law. See, at the time, the high priest was the law in, Jewish, in the Jewish faith. These guys were the cops, the police, the TSA at the security line at the airport. They could authorize. So he goes to them and gets authorization and says, listen, we're going to go get these guys. I don't care if it's men, women, children, old, young, fat, skinny, doesn't matter. We're going to go scoop them up. We're going to bind them up and we're going to bring them unto Jerusalem. In verse three, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, verse four, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecuteth thou me? In verse 5, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And in verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and I shall be told, and, I sh and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now we're going to break this down a little bit here. Okay, so what's going on? Verse 1 and 2. The man is committed. The man is committed. Now, I have to imagine, God's looking down and he's saying, listen, I, this is a Garrett theory right now. Take it for what it's worth. 
God's looking down. He's saying, listen, I need to bring about some change. But the problem is most of the people who I am trying to talk to are not listening to me. I got a bunch of people who want to sit on the sideline and be scared. I got a bunch of people who will not open their mouths. I got a bunch of people who are terrified to make a message. And at the same time, I've got to find myself a man, a voice box, a vessel who will have the courage to step into the darkness and in the darkness turn on the light and say the things I need him to say. And so he looks down and he looks around and says, well, I got all these guys over here. Um, they're really religious. They go to church. Uh, they say everything right. Um, well, I got these guys over here. I mean, they're, they're really good at, uh, you know, making sure everybody keeps the law. Uh, they're really good law keepers. And um, they make sure everybody else does. They're not so good at following it themselves. Um, we got a bunch of guys over here. They're oblivious to the whole thing. I don't know if I can use any of them. But wait a second. There's this maniac who has this fire inside him called Saul. Like the guy is passionate. See, passion is something you can't give people. Passion must be created from within. Fire to do the work and to take the heat must come within. This is why I laugh at people. Some of the biggest critics in the world, in the world, are people who have created almost nothing. Because those who actually have done the work and created something and put their butt on the line, put their ass on the line, shared in the marketplace something that put them at risk, created art and took a risk. They respect people who do the same, even if they don't agree, because they meet in human connection to this idea that they have paid the price. And that passion that you see in another person, you can respect it. You can get it. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't like Barack Obama. I'm like, last time I checked, last time I checked, President Barack Obama deals with the most insane levels of pressure. Pressure I cannot even imagine. Cannot even imagine. People give him a hard time. Well, dude's going golfing. I'm like, are you kidding me? As if somehow you don't get a day off. And most people I talk to day to day are having a hard enough time managing their business, their family life, and themselves, let alone managing an entire country. Or for that matter, launching anything significant that would impact the world beyond their own circle of influence of their 15 friends and their family. Right? And so this passionate point, Saul was up to big stuff already. He was a car that was in motion. He was a man that was in motion. He wasn't sitting on the sideline parked and saying, oh, dear God, please use me. Oh, please, please guide me to do some amazing things. Please help me take the word to the people. Please help me be, be a vessel in thy hands. I would like to lead a ministry. I talk to people all the time. Well, I'm going to lead a ministry. I'm like, cool, what are you going to do about that? Well, well, I'm going to go help the homeless people. I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. I love it. And, and, and what about the not homeless people? Easy to help broke people. He's a help, but I get it. I get it. I was one. I've been one multiple times. I get it. My question is, are you willing to put your, are you willing to put your ass on the line? Are you willing to take some risks? And consider that if you are a person who has never been willing to take risks, if you are a man who has been unwilling to challenge the status quo in your life, that your capacity to lead is weak. And you can't ever expect to sit and read a story about a man like Saul and Paul and actually understand it at the depth it could be understood just like somebody who spews criticism so freely online about anyone creating things. And everybody has it. 
president of the United States, certain fitness routines, people who think this way about religion, people who think this way about religion. I mean, it doesn't matter. The crazy thing is the stone throwers are not creators. They're not. Why? Because the creators don't have enough time to sit around and spend as much time as they do throwing criticism. Now, Saul was pissed and he was passionate. And imagine God looks down and says, no, there's a passionate man. There's a car that's moving. And you know what? I need that car to go a different direction, but at least I can guide a moving vehicle. All the rest of these sideline spectators who are sitting over here terrified, unwilling to open their voice. Yes, he does not fit the mold of what they're going to be looking like. Some same game that Jesus experienced coming into Jerusalem. Why? Because the people were expecting this fiery chariot to come from heaven to destroy their accusers, to destroy their persecutors, and to liberate the people. And yet he came what? He came with a message that only people were ready to hear could hear. And the message pissed people off so bad that they would spend their entire days focused on persecuting instead of what? Creating. And Saul was there. I don't know how much Saul was creating, but he was absolutely creating chaos when it came to life for the Christians. So there he's heading along Damascus. And as he journeyed, he came to Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And see, oftentimes you and I, we're, we're heading on this path, this one direction. We've been going one way in our marriage. We've been handling, same, same damn problems every single month. Same arguments, same shit we've been dealing with forever in our marriage. Me and my wife, nine years. Same thing over and over and over and over again. Sexual communication issues, intimacy issues, communicating issues, parenting issues. Same conversation. We'd have a conversation, and then it would be the same thing over and over again. And nothing was changing. All that would change is we would have the fight, then things would go to a place of sedation, then we would have the fight, then we'd go to a place of sedation. I'd sing a few hymns, read a few scriptures, and try to pretend like everything was okay. When underneath the surface, I was pissed and maybe that's not you maybe you're perfect cool I got it and if you're perfect do you got no reason to listen here go listen to a little happy fluffy feel-good podcast on on religion and spirituality go listen to some happy vision board conversations go over and have a conversation that works for you but here on warrior on fire we're gonna have a real conversation kind of like Saul was about to have Saul's heading down a path and this light comes into his life a voice enters into his mind and challenges the way that he's seeing things. Now, he's committed. He's got authorization. He's heading on the road to Damascus. The voice comes in and says what? Why are you going the direction you're going? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I've been trying to speak into your life for a long time, Saul, but you haven't been listening. And so I need to hit you upside the head with something to get you to listen. See, for nine years as a banker, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to the warning signs of the voice about where my marriage was going. I didn't listen to the warning signs of my own ego that was driving my business. I didn't listen. I didn't listen. And so I, like Saul, required a two by four against the face in order to wake up. Because Saul was kicking against the pricks just like I was. I'd hear the voice, but then I'd sedate it. And so people are like, oh, Garrett, you went through all this drama and trauma. You had all these big issues. I can't believe this. I can't trust you because you've had a Saul path in your life. Are you shitting me? That's the biggest hypocrisy I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. You can't trust people who don't have a Saul path in their life. 
You can't trust people who pretend like everything's happy fruit panda bears and magic smelling roses. You can't trust people who only share with you the light. You can't trust people who only speak that life itself is beautiful and happy and always is. Because this is not reality, except for people in loony bins and people who do a lot of drugs. Smoke weed every day, guess what? You're going to be pretty happy every day. You are. You are. I've been there. Smoke weed every day. Smoke a bowl out. You'll be happy. Not for real, but you'll be sedated. Make pretend and paint yourself into a little happy. Hey, I'm a little happy Christian. Here I am. Everything's perfect for me. Do, 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 do. Here's my cute kids. Here's my cute wife. Here's my cute life. Here's my cuteness. Went underneath the surface. Porn addiction, drug addiction, cheating on your wife. All the rest of this stuff starts to come to surface. The questions, the chaos, the disgust in who you are. And yet to the front of life, you can't be honest about the solved desires. You can't be honest about the darkness inside because you've created a story just like I did. And I am certain at some level Saul did in the beginning too. Man, what if, what if people found out about my darkness? What, 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 if, what if when you, Lord, what if when you call me, what, what if when you call me to go, to go speak, to speak light into people's lives, what, what, what if they find out I was a guy who was beating them? What if, what, if, what am I going to say to all the people who, who I've rallied for, for years to rile against the Christians, what am I going to tell them? I, I'm not going to go back to the social thing tomorrow. We got the dinner tomorrow night. What am I going to tell the high priest who, who, who commanded me and gave me the order that I begged for? I begged for the order to go beat these people down and take them to prison. And now you want me to do something different? I mean, I, I, I'm going to look foolish with these people. They're going to persecute me. On top of that, I've been over here with these other people, and I've been beating on them, and now you want me to go talk to them? You are, you are out of your mind. I love how quickly people just fly through Scripture, and they don't make it real. It's not humanized at all. It's like, well, and uh, Peter w walked on the water, and then, uh, well, he got real weak, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he lost some faith, and so he started sinking in the water in the storm. Yeah. Didn't have a lot of faith, that guy. Are you kidding me? This dude walked on water. You can barely swim down a swimming pool 25 yards without floaties and a big duck tube around your waist. The dude walked on water. See, if you can make scripture real to you today, if you can make scripture about something relevant to you today, all of a sudden you start to have some compassion and some empathy, not just for them, but for yourself. You realize they weren't perfect. The people we read about were not perfect. They were imperfect people attempting to arise and expand who they were by listening to what? The voice. And then they wrote things down or they quote unquote created podcasts to share their journey in hopes that that sharing of their journey would inspire others. And I know it's hard for some of you. You're like, who is this vile piece of shit. Who is this man who says these vile things and continues to communicate this way in this environment? We don't like you. I'm like, I get it. I get it. Seven years ago, I'd have persecuted myself. I get it. I would have been right there with you, front row. Front row going, oh my God, look at that guy. I can't believe it. And then I spent all this time over here. Instead of studying the word, 
Instead of finding out how to get myself closer to God, I would spend all my time having conversations about why other people were wrong instead of being worried about how was I going to get my life on track. So Saul hears this voice. And it continues in verse 6. And he says, and he trembling, and he trembling, and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? At the bottom of my deepest darkness, implosion of all my businesses, millions of dollars down the tube in the real estate industry, banking industry, I was in insurance, currencies. I, I, I had pushed the envelopes in business. And in my darkest night, I'm sitting there with a bottle of vodka down in the basement of my house, weeping, broken, hurting. And in that place, I asked a question as the voice entered to my life too and said, hey, I need you to stand up. I need to know if you'd be willing to say the things I need you to say. And I've been trying to speak into your life for a long time, but you couldn't hear me until I took it all away. And so the millions of dollars disappeared, and as the tide rolled back, the beach of my life was exposed, likely very similar to some of the traumatic experiences of your own life, divorce, addiction, implosion of businesses, finances, cancer. And in that place, I asked a simple question, and it's, it's, it, seems, it seems simple yet so difficult for most people to do. And I said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? What do you want me to do? And the voice continues, and, and the Lord says, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. See, they're watching what happened. These are the guys. These are his brothers. These are his boys. He got the boys together. They were going to go make some ruckus over in, over in Jerusalem, going to go get some Christians, beat them up, bind them up, and bring them back. But they're going along, and this experience happens. This two-by-four clubs all of them, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But the only one there who can actually hear the voice and see the next steps was Saul. And how often in our lives do we see stuff going down around us, warning signs? We see other people's lives going a direction maybe we don't want to go, but we hear it, we hear it, but we look around and we can't see. We can't see, and just as Jesus said in Matthew 13, we don't have the eyes to see. And so we continue here in verse 8. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. Nine. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And ten, there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. In verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, verse 12, and have seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. 
And 14, and he is here, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. How often, because of our limited perspective on life, do we assume that God is not working through people around us? That you assume maybe he's not working through me. That he's not working through Eminem. That he's not working through President Barack Obama. That he's not working through you. Because we sit and we think, well, no, it doesn't look right. I mean, it can't possibly be this way because in my mind is this pretty picture of how it's going to go down. And the minute that it... This is a podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warrior on Fire. On fire. <laughs> Share this with other men you feel need to hear. Don't forget to give us a review in iTunes and subscribe. So, is there a website? Wake Up Warrior. For more information and other amazing content for warrior men just like you, head on over to GarrettJWhite.com now.